Hi folks, I'm Duncan Gill, child and adolescent psychiatrist. And I'm Victoria Lee, licensed clinical mental health counselor, and welcome to Is There a Med for That? The podcast about teen mental health and behavioral problems and what to do about them. Victoria and I have been working for uh, years together with kids. Sometimes we use therapy, sometimes medication, sometimes we give some guidance to parents. And sometimes kids just need to be left alone. We don't have all the answers, but we probably have some of them. We'll do our best to share what we've learned over the years working with struggling kids and their families. We hope you enjoy the show and we can be helpful to those who have taken on the hardest job in the world, being a parent. Hello, parents. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. We have a good episode for you guys all today, a follow-up from one of the ones we did. I don't know when, what order it will be in, but recently we talked about implementing the behavioral guidelines in your family. You can do it with your children. Um, if you maybe have coworkers you want to work with and change your the culture at your workplace, um, we talk a lot about doing it at home with your family, but it can be done in any group. Um, so the guidelines, if you haven't listened to that episode yet, it's basically a code of ethics for your group that the group all agrees to. At the end of the episode, Duncan brought up in his um, controversial way, um, <laughs> what do you do? Oppositional. That's yeah. the word I'm looking for. Um, provocative. Provocative. Um, yeah. Causing trouble way. Um, <laughs> he brought up how, what do you do if your kids don't want to practice. And it's great that you brought that up because it's a very real part of parenting. And I think you actually bring up a uh, part of why a lot of parents might not want to implement because my kids aren't going to want to do this. And it's, it's nice that you're thinking of your kids, but I think if you actually sit down and read the guidelines that you see, there's nothing extraordinary in them. We're not asking our kids to um, do anything extraordinary. It's basic human decent behavior. Um, kind, caring behavior for self and for other. Right. Uh, we talked in the episode about it being just basically good social habits. If you want to be part of a functional, loving, basically good group, then you know you, you got to learn some of this behavior. And so, by implementing the guidelines at home, we can help our children learn how to be a functional member of a healthy group and we can become a functioning healthy group. It's not too late for us. Not too late. Um, well. <laughs> for most of us. For most of us. Um, and so when a child, so you sit down, you talk about the guidelines, we all read them, um, and you say, moving forward, this is how we're going to, this is what we're going to practice, you know, not just you, not, it's not identified <coughs> patient, identified child who has to conform. Um, it is, we're all going to practice together. This is our new way of living together. And if a child does not want to practice, we accept that. Um, in, but what do we do? So what it highlights is going to be a, the key leadership challenge that WED um, gives to us as parents or any group leader, any group member, really, because hopefully our kids will start to, to live this way as well. They'll start, start to um, learn this sort of behavior. We're moving from a reward-punishment model, so a control-based model, and we live in a, a society that's very much based on re reward and punishment um, to a model of authority. And this is a paradigm shift for most families and most people. 
Um, although I, I do think the more I read, um, and I'll compile a list of books that have some uh, similar ideas in it that readers might want to check out. Um, I think we're moving more to a cooperative parenting model. People more of society is moving towards that way of living um, versus just crude hierarchical dominance based. Um, There's a, um, it's a difficult transition, right? Oh, painful for Because a lot of reward people. and punishment is um, oh, thousands of years, right? Yep. And um, it's been sort of the go-to model and um, has kept the human race alive. Yeah, and it works in a lot of ways. Yeah. It really does. I mean, you can think about even training dogs, right? Reward and punishment. They do something you want them to do, positive reinforcement. You give them a reward for it, a treat. Um, and, and the theory is they do more of it, right? I'm a little bit like that, right? You give me a treat, I'll do more of that. Um, but then if it's a dog does something you don't want them to do, you give them a correction, what they call often, in, or a punishment, which is, um, you know, like if is it, you know, you say no. Put him in his crate. Put him in his crate, whatever people are, are told to do. Um, you know, and that will train a dog, right? And, and it will also train your children, but in our groups, we're going for something I believe is loftier than that. And Joe, uh, the founder of Holistic Education and the guidelines, really would, this was really the heart and soul of, I think his mission was this loftier way of really truly educating humans and allowing them to reach their full maturity. And their, the, it, has, uh, it helps our children truly learn versus just respond to stimuli. Because when you think about reward and punishment, you're the something external is inflicting something and you're responding to that. Whereas the model that the guidelines is shifting to is one of authority and natural consequences. And so authority is the voluntary granted influence. And so a child, there has to be a relationship there that comes more from within. If I could go back just for a second. Yeah. So reward punishment to some degree is, effective for parents yeah, in changing quick. behavior. Yeah. But just because good behavior does not equal uh, a child who's ready to function in society. Right. Um, and uh, well you're not necessarily learning anything because what happens when you're not there to, um, to punish right. or reward? And what they often learn is that if I do this behavior when you're around... I'm just going to do it when you're not around. Right. And, and that might be good enough in certain moments or for certain things, um, but we don't think it, it's good enough holistically. And that's why Joe really um, emphasized the shift from a control-based model of parenting to an authority-based model of parenting where you, you represent and model healthy human behavior, loving, dignified, compassionate, persevering, behavior and the child is respected as an autonomous human being. Of course, if they're a minor, that doesn't mean that they can go out and do whatever they want all the time. Um, but that the relationship is what um, you're relying on more than the, the punishment, the control. And so a child, ideally, if we believe if you foster and nourish a loving relationship, the vast majority of children are going to over time be cooperative with you. It might take some time, um, but 
and, and we also have to be flexible in what, and realistic in what we're expecting of our children. Um, and so that was a lot to kind of give the introduction to the key leadership challenges to give up control to gain authority, which is one we've talked about in the past. Um, but in this particular application, at the beginning when you have that implementation meeting and, and say, family, let's all start practicing something new. If your child doesn't want to, uh, you first want to offer support. Maybe talk about it a little bit more. Say, well, could you tell me why you don't want to? What do you disagree with? What doesn't sound good? Um, and try to have some nice conversation about it. If, it can, if the child continues to think it's not a nice way to live, it's not a nice way to treat others, it's not a nice way to be treated, we're going to respect their decision, uh, but that we will have to accept that that child has restricted themselves from the group, which basically means that the child just has to separate from the group um, in group privileges. And so that typically looks like a child hanging out alone in their room, um, safe but separate, um, and that's, you know, it, it's not what we want as a parent. I don't like when my children have to be separated for a bit. Um, but it's non-negotiable in our families, just like it is that direction to not be committed to practicing. Now, that doesn't mean that a, a child or a group member at direction can't struggle with practicing, right? Like we haven't kicked Duncan out yet. You struggle and some days. struggle every day. <laughs> we all do, right? Like we, myself... <clears throat> Rick, you know, we all have days or, or even moments throughout every day that um, we're not practicing optimally, but there's a commitment there. And so if the child doesn't want to commit, we lovingly accept that. And it's a, it's a spirit that it's done with too, but there's a natural consequence to that decision. And it's if you don't want to practice what the group's practicing, we just ask that you separate from the group. It's, it's very logical, really. It's not, um, the idea is we have a social code. And if you want to, you can belong to our society if you agree to our social code. So it really follows. And, you know, the model is essentially the same, right? It's hunter-gatherers. Yep. And um, uh, if somebody doesn't want to live up to the social code, the hunter-gatherers, gatherers, they, they move on. Yes. And you can't be part of our group. Yeah. And the big thing with it, it with the guidelines, is really there's nothing extraordinary in there. Right? We don't want to be a society that's limiting uh, individual rights or freedoms or privileges, except when it infringes upon another group member's liberty, so to speak, right? So the, the, it's very, you often get parents, right, who take the guidelines and they implement them at home, but they're implementing their own guidelines that are completely not the same ones that we're talking about. And the guidelines were written how, out for a reason because they're helping us find balance need fulfillment so that we can each be healthy individuals and the group can be healthy and then there's no more restrictions beyond that. So that's a key to why the guidelines is not a controlling model because a lot a lot of other societies out there function like this too if you're not if you don't do what we what we do then you're out. But we think that a lot of those societies the primary values and um, code of behaviors are controlling. And we reject that. The guidelines are very broad. They're about the way people relate to each other. They're, they leave as they purposely do not deal with specifics. So the idea is there's a minimal, the, the actual, the absolute minimum uh, structure that's required for a healthy group while leaving as much freedom as possible. 
Right. And so when the child decides, hey, I'm not going to practice, then as a parent, as a group leader, we have to respect that individual while at the same time keeping the group healthy and safe. And so those, um, the guidelines that are flexible and in, in, maybe fle not flexible, but um, minimally constraining, um, but they are there to keep the group safe. And without those, we just can't be a functioning group. You know, ideally, maybe like in, in a fantasy land, you could do anything and be part of a healthy group, but that's just not the reality. Just like a marriage, right? Like generally speaking, unless you have a certain arrangement and that would have to be like something you guys agree to as a couple, you can't just act like you're not married all the time, right? There's certain, like there's agreements you have that make something work with one another. Um, and, and a big part of the guidelines in the success to uh, making them... I don't want to say fair, but making them non-controlling is that we ourselves are also practicing. Everyone is expected to practice. It's, it's not just for the children. That's another common mistake in the application of the guidelines is that only the kids have to practice. I can be nasty or I can be condescending and, and, or, or just hyper-focus on their behavior all day long. Uh, the guidelines really work well when... Uh, when as a leader, we embody them. The natural consequences part of the guidelines um, highlights the respect for the individual's autonomy. It, oftentimes, I think there's an idea, I know I believe this as, as a child and young adult, that, well, if you really respect my autonomy, I can do whatever I want with no consequences. No, that's actually not respecting your autonomy because that it's almost taking away your your individuality because you're not having any feedback about who you are in the world. The reality is if if you really are doing what you're doing, right, as an individual, then you're going to there will be natural consequences to that. If someone is there and erasing those natural natural <clears throat> consequences, that would become enabling. And so for example, if a child were to um I don't know, can you think of like some negative behavior that a child may do? Yeah, it tells you to piss off because you told them to empty the dishwasher. Right, right. So we had talked about that in the earlier episode and how to, the natural consequence would be maybe a question about that at first. Hey man, like, can you help me understand, you know, like why you're treating me like that? Because it, it's hurtful usually. And then ultimately, um, maybe the child teams up with you there. Or maybe the natural consequence is more questions if they continue to up the ante, right? And, and say, you know, F off, get out of my room. You know, I, I really do want to give you space um, if that's what you want, but, you know, are you willing to team up? Um, and maybe it's, can we talk later? Maybe I can give you space. But if a child really doesn't want to team up with you, then the natural consequence is that they aren't on the team. And I'm respecting that yeah. versus keeping you on the team, even though your behavior shows that you're not. Exactly, which is really wanting it both ways. You can be an individual, sure, you know. Nobody necessarily is going to stop you, but you can't both do whatever you want and expect that a group's going to include you and right. grant you whatever the privileges are of, of belonging to that group. Right. And we want to find that dynamic balance that's key to it. One isn't more valued than the other, the group or the individual necessarily, um, although the, the group 
comes before the individual's interest in image, which is one of the guidelines that we'll do an episode on later. It's a really good one for teenagers. I think I've mentioned that before. I often think of Joe when we talk about leadership, right? And he was a big fan of um, anything that represented excellence or elite, some, anything that was elite, right? right. And so he was, you know, to some degree, um, you know, impressed by Navy SEALs and, you know, their code of conduct. And um, they often, and I don't know a ton, although I, I, you know, have a lot of respect for our military men and women, um, extreme ownership, right? And this, this concept of, um, I th- what is it? Um, leaders eat last. I believe mm. it's in, someone could correct me if they know better. Um, I think it's in the, um, the seals, the, or maybe it's in the Marines in general that the leaders eat last. Mm. And so oftentimes in groups, the leaders eat first, right? But I feel like Joe would embody that too, that he was clearly always a leader, whatever room he walked into, whether it was with kids, other adults, all different professionals. He just had that way about him. Um, but it wasn't through crude force or dominance. It was, it was something different. People looked to him for how to be in the world. And that's what we ultimately want. Um, I believe, you know, in the WED model is that we strive to be that person that our kids look to and within them, they say, Hey, I want to be like that. And you're being a dignified, loving, respectful, responsible, compassionate, persevering human being, which is a tall order. I mean, like treats and slaps on the back, right? Like that seems a lot more straightforward than having to be all these other things. Um, And like you said, I think for a long time in human history, humans did that. And it's seductive because it's quick. It's quick and easy and the alternative that we're talking about takes a lot more work. Way more work. It's holistic. There's not, and we talked about this in another episode too, but the idea that it permeates our way of living. It permeates who we are. And kids can smell your bullshit, you know? And so in holistic education, if your spirit is off or if you're just using the guidelines as another weapon or tool to control your child, um, they know that and it doesn't go well. So often in parenting group, I run a parenting group every week to help parents learn how to practice WED with their children. Um, often the kids will come to me separately and say, ever since my mom started going there, they're, they're, you know, it's, they're controlling me even more. And you see that they're just using it as another extension of punishment and reward. So it really does, it can take a long time to even understand the paradigm that we're talking about shifting from control to authority in a group. Right. And it takes a leap of faith because, you know, as we've talked about before as well, we accept that we can't control who our kids are going to choose to be in the world. And I think as a parent, that's horrifying. Um, But we can hope to influence them in the most positive way possible. And possible. And we believe that by practicing the guidelines, you're going to role model the healthiest ways to be in the world. Yes, it's, you know, it's not as basic um, as other, you know, maybe parenting suggestions are. Um, Like if a child doesn't want to practice, what do you do? It's kind of a complicated answer to that. But I think you kind of have to understand the paradigm that we're talking about in order to successfully 
accept that a child doesn't want to practice with you and how to lovingly accept that. So probably talking a little bit about getting back to the kid who doesn't sign on to the guidelines at home. Basically, they're saying, I don't want to belong to the group. So we respect that and say, fine. You, we love you and we accept that. You don't have to be part of the group. The idea is that you don't have access to group privileges. And could you outline what some of those would be in a family? Yeah, so uh, group privileges, if we're talking about our kids, right, for them it's, it's probably even more things than we get from a group as an adult. Um, so the group privileges include um, conversation with you, even if like a lot of parents at that point say, well, my kids won't care about that. Well, after a little bit, you'll start to see how much they actually do want to have conversations with you, even if it's just about stuff they're interested in. Um, it includes, first off, I should say, bottom line is you always, always provide for what we're legally and ethically obligated to provide for a child, medical, food, shelter, food, shelter all of that's always occurring. That like you, safety is the number one thing we provide for our children. <laughs> um, but when they've separated from the group, the privileges they lose are the extra stuff on top of that. Rides, places, trust is a privilege, right? If, if you don't want to practice the guidelines, I have, I don't, I can't trust you out in the world. And it, just because they're basic, decent behavior, um, you know, like hanging out, watching TV, even if no one else is around, it's a privilege. Um, electricity to some degree, like if it's fueling uh, iPads and Xboxes and all that, we'd give them electricity obviously in their room, but not all the games and stuff that go along with that. Um, and who knows, maybe a child has something that they've earned on their own, like from their own money that they've bought. Um, then we wouldn't take that away because that's theirs. You know, it's not a group privilege or a group resource, uh, but it is, so that would be theirs. But for most children, even up to 18, a lot of the stuff that they have or the things that come up in a, in a day in the household is a group privilege. Maybe eating meals with the family, maybe they eat separately after or they can take a meal in their room. Um, but it's basically you want them to feel what it, it means to not be part of the group and to really educate themselves on what do I as a human being get by deciding to be part of a healthy group. And it can be a little bit confusing because it can feel punitive. It feels painful when the group asks you to separate. Which it is. To some degree it is, but it's not. It's done out of respect for their autonomy to choose not to be part of the group. It's not done with the intention to um, forcefully make them do something or to inflict pain upon. Joe would often ask parents, how would you define punishment? And, you know, parents would say all different things. And a lot of it made sense, you know, discipline, how to get my kid to, to do what the right thing is. Um, but really, if you if you look clearly at what punishment is, it's usually the infliction of pain upon someone in order to get them to behave a certain way, either not do something or do something. Um, and so as parents, we don't want to model that for our kids. We don't want to have that relationship with our kids. We don't believe uh, that it's the loving way to go, and we don't think it educates them about the matter at hand. We think it actually just educates them about our relationship. So, yeah. yeah. 
control and punishment, um, shifting from that to authority and natural consequences. It can be a whole new way to live. And especially with teenagers, I think you're starting to get to your, you're getting close to having a relationship with your adult child. And we really, we suggest starting the transition to that a lot sooner than parents nowadays do. We should do a whole episode on natural consequences. And Good idea. Break it down a little bit. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of heavy material. Joe was notorious for driving people crazy because he would have like one sheet of paper that really could be like a 500-page book. He'd put so much, so simplified into one piece of paper. Um, and so our job as folks who really believe in holistic education and the behavioral guidelines is to make it a little bit more digestible and um, yeah, more open to all people to know what the heck he's talking about. Because he really, I don't know where the heck he came up with this stuff, but I mean, it's brilliant. It's really brilliant. By, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wouldn't you say that a little bit? Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Some of for it. For sure. Ways, yeah. yeah. Functional. Yeah, because he Most definitely. Yeah. Yeah. We someday we got to play the whole uh your song. We're just going to have an entirely fun episode sometime with music and With music. Well, in the song to our intro is about Joe. That's right. So, we'll it's speaking to... of the devil. Yep, there it is. Anyways, we'll see you next time. All right, folks, stay tuned. Hi, folks, I'm Duncan Guild.